What on earth is that? It's a Journey into Comics Network production! All aboard! I brought my pencil! What do you wanna do with your life? Walk on home, boy! Yeah! What's up, my fellow metal maniacs? We are here once again for this episode of Rank 'em All. As always, I am one of your rank masters, Nate. Today, joining me, my amazing panel. Welcome back to the show once again. Nick, how you doing, brother? Doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You look well. Your Topanga shirt is is killing it. It's going to throw my uh, uh, attention off all episode. I'm going to be looking at your chest. That's That sounds weird, but... Anyways, uh, also welcome back to the show, the one and only 30% God, Mr. Dick Tyner. How's it going? It's going all right. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm excited that we're here on this uh, glorious day discussing a uh, possibly overlooked Metallica album, but we're not doing it alone as our master of ceremonies and king of all that is video, Brando. Welcome back. Thank you for having me, Nate. We are here once again today. We're looking at Reload in the Metallica discography. And what it's was a ball of fire. It is a ball of fire. What was called by by Rolling Stones, Lorraine Alley, she said that the magazine felt it captures one of Rock's greatest bands at its peak. So we'll see <laughs> if any of us agree with that assertion. Um, uh, it, it is. Um <laughs> The lineup here hasn't changed. It is still James, Kirk, Jason, and Lars. This is actually Jason's last studio album with the band. He will still be featured on our kind of like bonus episodes that we're doing right after this because of Garage and S&M. Uh, he will be on those. But as far as original material, uh, he might know. We have one more song for I, us. I Disappear would be the final song. It would like, be the last song, but as far as actual albums, this is it. For our good yep. friend Jason Newsett on bass, also sitting in for this one, we have Marianne Faithful with additional vocals on Memory Remains. We also have David Miles playing the hurdy gurdy on Low Man's Lyric. Hey. And Bob Rock leads up production. Sales to this album. Well, first off, I should say the album came out. Of course, this was the uh, second of two albums. This was supposed to be originally like a, like a double album, one load of material. But instead, it was recorded over the course of like a couple of years. Uh, it started with the original load uh, sessions, and then they, when they got off tour, they went back and finished it up and was released on November 18th, 1997. So, good year, 1997. November 18th, you say? November 18th. Kirk Hammett, it's his birthday. It's also the day that Michael Kamen passed away. Uh, interesting. Uh, November uh, 18th. Yes. And the day that Reload came out. That is very interesting. Also, Brandon, can I note quickly, every time you said Load, you kept doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were very gestury with your hands for the video version, which I hope that you all are watching the video version as well as listening to the podcast version on all the different various places you can do that. Anyways, let's get back to it. What are some more facts and knowledge about the uh, the Reload, my friend? Uh, it debuted at at number one on the U.S. Billboard charts. Uh, sales wise, um, this is just some of the information we have on Wikipedia. It's US three million, Europe two million, and then break it down from all bunch of different places after that. To, I mean, that this was right when you know Metallica still riding the waves, man. Nineties Metallica is a little bit of a different Metallica than from the eighties, 
but they are pretty popular. They are bringing in new fans. Those new fans are going finding the older material. There's arguments ensued. Is older better? Newer better? You know, this is a definitely a band that has lasting, uh, la- lasting and staying power. But there were four singles released off the album, and I'm not sure where you guys are. But uh, do you what? Do you guys have any beginning thoughts before we start rolling down the songs? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good, Dick. Oh, sorry. Um, I thought this was a much more cohesive album than uh load was uh yeah as as you said there was some time in between the two recording sessions where they these songs got to actually get they were a little more fleshed out and you can tell like they uh, the entire soundscape on all of the songs are actually just full there's no like where you had like a lot of songs uh like wasting my hate where it had that race riff but nothing really backing it up uh it just sounded kind of hollow Whereas all of these songs, even the songs I don't really like that much, uh, they're, they're full sounding, and I, I like that. Um, that also being said, there isn't really a song on this album I don't like. I don't. They're, they're nothing special, for the most part. But I, I can just jam this whole album. I think uh, early notes, just because I did a little legwork and actually have written down the live appearances of these songs before we're doing anything so i can just tell you guys as soon as we get to them but uh this album to me is one that metallica personally does not like pulling from just based on what i can see and we'll talk about it as we go through the episode the numbers here are actually kind of startling there's like only a couple songs that get insane play there's one song that surprisingly got a lot of play and then everything else has never been played ever so and, and, and again, we'll be discussing that. But that, th- those are kind of just some uh, quick riffing thoughts I have on that album. That fact does not surprise me at all. <laughs> yeah. I love, by the way, what Nick said after he got done with his listen. He's like, I just went and cleansed with some Master of Puppets. <laughs> good choice. Puppets is always a good choice. Um, always. But no matter some, what. There's any some... day of the week. There are some pretty good tracks here. Uh, uh, again, lame, uh, lames. Well, I, I just called James lames. Well, <laughs> 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 all lyrics written by James, uh, or James is going a little bit lames on the lyrics. I don't know. No, uh, thematically, uh, this song does, or the songs here on this album do delve into some deep stuff, just like Load did. But overall, uh, there's a lot more songs where I feel it's a little bit more general. Um, a lot of sizzle, no steak. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll agree. Yeah. Um, but I'll agree. we definitely are going to see what our rankings behold. The oval, the total album length is 76 minutes and two seconds, just a few minutes shorter than load. Man, they they, they really packed these albums <laughs> uh, for sure. Break it down, all right. And just recently, before we get started, I, I, I read an interview recently with <clears throat> Lars, and he got asked, what is the most underrated album you know, and then he's like, well, I guess the, the answer would then be by whom, you know, he's like, he's like, I don't like thinking about like our stuff that way. Cause anytime I go back and think about this album or that, I, I always think about where I was, where I'm at creatively, personally. So the albums have a different meaning to me than it has anybody else. He goes, but maybe you get like a, kind of like a, like the loads the like load, reload, maybe reload. He's like, if that's the low point and like a high point's kind of a justice, he's like, we have a pretty. He goes, he goes. I I think the loads are kind of pretty good. A pretty you know decent, rounded albums. 
Because so so if our lowest is the loads, it's like that's pretty good little uh, spectrum that we're in. <laughs> it's like as long as we can stay within those lines, we'll, we'll be doing all right. <laughs> Um, but I, so I thought that was interesting. I do know that James has has commented on the some kind of monster uh, documentary about. Uh, there were some songs they had they felt like maybe just weren't living up to what they thought they were going to be, and he said that they could definitely whip up any song into a full song Metallica potential. And he said the loads are prime example of that. And partially, I he didn't say this, but I kind of feel like he was meaning more a reload because. I when 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 they came back to finish this album, this album like like Dick said does feel different. It doesn't feel as, as experimentally. It doesn't feel like uh, Kirk's doing too many crazy stuff. It feels like straight up Metallica rock with a few instances here and there of them doing some like different genre bending stuff. So, did you say Bob Talarock? Bob Talarock? Yeah. Because you know Bob Rock, Bob Metallarock. That's Bob, the sound Bob, is he's because uh, it, it's it's where Bob Rock really you can tell he's taken the sound and shifted the band with what he's producing. Well, that's something we can't forget here. Metallica's writing all these songs and the ideas or whatever. The shape of these albums is being built by Bob Rock's mm-hmm. vision of the band. Yeah. So you know maybe that's what also falls a little short. All right. Well, if we got nothing else to kind of like. Uh, lead off into this why don't we just go right into the songs are you guys ready all right let's do it all right so once again for the upteenth time now we talk about album openers and metallica man they like to hit it right out of the gate and they like to just come out swinging you know uh what really surprised me was the overall general feeling amongst us about how good of a opening track "Ain't My Bitch" is, because that's kind of the ones that kind of gets forgotten about, you know. But there's there can't be, in my opinion, a better album uh, or album opening than literally the first things you hear is James screaming in your ears, "Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that one to desire." Ooh, and then you're pedal to the metal right there. I mean, they again. They do it right. They they get it going. You're like, all right, here we go. It, it it's almost like you're in the car with James, and he's like, and, and you just hear him going, ha ha. He's just he's having fun. This is a James song. There's no doubt. This song was written by James, Lars, and Kirk. Kirk has some stuff in here as well. Of course, this song as was kind of molded into the song Fuel, originally called Fuel for the Fire. That version of the song has been featured was featured on NASCAR for a number of years. It's kind of like their theme song. When featured you would, on Stunning Stunts. Yep, and, and on uh, uh, Stunning Cunts. And uh, <laughs> but, I see what you've done there. Yeah, uh, I I feel Fuel is a hell of an opener. It it it, it, it continues that trend. Uh, Fuel was the third single released from the album. Surprising, it was the third. Right. Uh, but it was released on June 22nd, 98. Uh, the very first time I heard, I believe it was still Fuel for the Fire, I heard this song on the Hot Wheels PS1 game. And, <laughs> no. yeah. You know, back then, certain PS1 games you could put in your CD player, and you they would play the tracks from the uh, from, from the game. Whoa. So, 
Uh, so you know, like you could do that with like Twisted Metal Four. There like there was some Rob Zombie stuff on there and that that you know that you could jam to. But I remember doing that with this because I'm like, man, this song is badass. Of course, that was that was actually right before I got into Metallica with the Black Album. So this the version of Fuel I'd actually heard it and really liked it before I got into Metallica. But we'll start off with Nick. What did you think of Fuel? Uh, super catchy riffs. Um, like you said, he just comes out the gate like this, this is the first album that they do like that, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, where it just comes in with him screaming. Um, it's uh, it's not my favorite of the first of the first songs, um, but it's undeniable that uh, it it has it it lets you know that this is going to be uh, um, an album full of of like a step below bangers. You know, they're they're just they're just solid songs. Um, I, uh, the solo wasn't amazing. Um, it, it acts like it was going to go somewhere, but doesn't really do it. And I feel like it's unfortunately a precursor for the rest of the album. <laughs> right. On. Yeah. Good song. I liked it. Uh, Dick, what'd you think, man? Uh, this song's badass. Uh, it's, it's a great intro as we've all said. Uh, it's just, it's right out the gate. You're just, kicking ass the whole way through um i would say certified banger this is one of my favorite metallica songs because it's just one of the hits i've always jammed can i Uh, i really i really enjoy the chorus the guitar in the chorus uh which i never really noticed it until i played guitar hero metallica that that going on um that just back and forth while he's singing i love it can i say that like after the solo when the song kind of Almost kind of goes into like a, I don't know, like a half beat, or it kind of steps back, it strips back, and it it's like he's just doing the ooh, where the main NASCAR riff comes from. Yes, (laughs) I love that part of the song. Like, like I love, I love the heaviness. I love everything. I love the attitude. As I said, you know, James loves cars. He loves muscle cars. He loves speeding. He loves going fast. He loves working on the cars. This song is a love love letter to I that part of his that life last, that last little bit where he james just yells as loud as he can gives it his all that give me fuel give me fire that just like everything he's got into that last one and it's awesome uh james also said before we get to nate's thoughts here um there's two things i want to say about this song one was in a, in a, in a deleted scene from some kind of monster they were talking about playing the raiders gig where they weren't going to be able to play at the O, they they, they wanted it like they were going to go in the playoffs, and they were going to play in the parking lot, and they were trying to figure out what songs to play because they were only going to play like five or six songs, or whatever. And he goes, he goes, he goes, we're doing fuel, and at Kirk, I think it was Kirk, or he's like, he's like, he's like, oh yeah, why? He goes, because I like it. <laughs> uh, but also, more recently, just recently, as of like as we record this, of course, we were we, we were pre-recording all these episodes before we put them out. So I'm not sure when exactly you guys are going to hear this in relative. But uh, they so what magazine the magazine for like Metallica and whatnot they did interviews with all the band members kind of around the uh, around the drive-in concert that happened a month ago, Dick. Yeah. Not yeah yeah just so we're clear it was a month ago. I've lost track of time. I'm yeah. Well, I mean, I can't blame you. This year's been hell, man. <laughs> but James, you know, they were talking about kind of James getting back at, or, you know, Chris, they didn't dive directly into his episode with going back into rehab 
but they were talking about how like you know he was a bit timid and kind of had they haven't played you know he didn't get to come out of that and go directly into playing you know in fact the first time they actually played together was the rehearsals for this drive-in thing and then the time before that it was SNM like like SNM two was the last things that like he did uh, live with the band and they and they were talking about like the lyrical content for Hardwired and how like they're maybe alluding to like where his life was you know and he goes. Yeah, it would be nicer to write about something like more fun stuff, <laughs> you know, and well, and the reason why I bring that up is because that's what I feel about fuel, you know, uh, where you look at like themes like unforgiven and and stuff like that. That's a little bit more deep and uh, maybe a, a, like a bit, a bit of his life that's scarred, you know, talking about his troubled childhood and, you know, dires even that respect and. Uh, some some of the more harsher themes that he, that the band and that his writing has taken. Fuel is nothing but pure, unadulterated fun, and it's kind of a cool little departure from what they usually do. But finally, last but not least, Nate, what are your thoughts on Fuel? Uh, heavier and catchy. It's amazing intro to the album. It get it's like a ninja chop to your throat. Just ki you know, just play how a ninja, you know? <laughs> yeah, ninja chop, just Judy chop right to it, you know. <laughs> uh, the white knuckle tight line in this song constantly makes me think of driving and how many times I've caught myself doing like 97 miles a goddamn hour because this song is on and you're just in it like, yeah. Oh, Oh, I was really pushing down on the pedal there. Let me just pull it back a little bit and slow down and groove. Uh, in my notes, I put that the drums in the chorus are really tribal and cool. It's a lot of toms, a lot of bouncing of the toms, which I like. The breakdown will break your neck. Uh, that's exactly what you were talking about, how it's super just like sets in that cool, like groove spot. Uh, blazing solo, which <clears throat> I agree with Nick. The solo has so much potential. There's so many things that could be done with it. And then Kirk just said, I'm just going to repeat the same things a couple, three times. And it's like, oh, man, if you would have just elaborated and let yourself loose, it would have probably been like top five solos of all time just because of the song it's a it you know hooked to um yeah that those are my notes man i love this song a lot uh just to quickly throw in the number 513 live performances all time for fuel that doesn't surprise me it with it being one of james favorites and it's a pretty good live track too for them to just <clears throat> jump right into and then like wake the crowd up, you know. I mean, I bring I, the pyro out for yeah, bring the pyro. Yep, yep. Um, I can. They, they, they this is definitely a wake you up song. If they play the slower song or anything like that, that that's that's a little more cerebral. It's like boom, let's get her, let's get the crowd alive again. Um, Nick hasn't seen Metallica live, correct? I have not, but Nick has. Yes, and then we because you saw him at like a Ryan Fest. Me? Yeah. Uh, I saw him in Detroit. It wasn't a Ryan Fest. It wasn't? It wasn't, no. Okay. It was well, with, uh, I think it was Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. did they play Fuel at that show? They did. Nice. Same it was right before the 4th of that. July, too. Ooh. So, it was yeah. super sweet. I was going to go back and see him in 09, I think, with Lamb of God. And, I think it was just Lamb of God. Maybe Slipknot. I know Lamb of God was for sure there. but And that was at uh, the pace, where the Pacers play. Um, that, that's where me and Nate saw him. Banker's uh, Life. Banker's, yeah, Banker's Life. At, at the time, I think it was still Conseco. 
Yeah. No, that's it. That's it. Conseco is in fucking Seattle. Uh, Market Square Arena is what you're thinking. Yeah, you're right. I was thinking Conseco Fieldhouse. I don't know. Which is in Seattle. That's where WrestleMania 19 happened. <laughs> what a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Got you on that one, dick. <laughs> yeah. Nailed him. All right. Uh, we'll, well, we'll start with Nick. We'll go back around with Nick. What was your rating for fuel? Ooh, you guys aren't going to like it. <laughs> um, I gave it a 6.5. I'm in silence. Oh, you guys. Wow. I'm blown away. My facial expression, I think, said more than my words ever could because I was just like, whoa. It. Okay. Okay. Let me make a final note then. For some reason. Sure. For some reason, the give me fuel, give me fire line, it always came across as silly to me. I don't know why. It's always in my head, Ben. It, it, I've always thought of it as being silly. I don't know why. And even now, after trying real hard, I'm like, I don't know. I can't get over it. It's a good, it's a great song. I like it, but. It is a bit silly. Yeah. But I actually. <laughs> oh, man. You guys' face is so good. <laughs> I knew it too when you guys start talking. I'm like, oh, man. I can't wait to see their response. I agree with you that it is silly. And now, of course, it's been meme. I like. Uh, Brandon, you're silent. I'm silent. I love You're silent. He is silent. I love that. Um, <laughs> I shocked by rating everything low, and then Dick shocks me by rating everything high, and then it creates a perfect median. It really does because really does. because I mean, and then sometimes I'm kind of in the middle here. I don't know, Brando. Do we have you? Hello, hello. Do you have me? No, no not. we do not have you at all. Um, Did you? Oh, there it is. There he is. Okay. Uh, on on the recorder, I'm still here. So so the audience has still heard me this whole time. Weird. That's yeah. very so no, bizarre. That was just a uh, just just a a Zoom thing, I guess. No, what I was gonna say is that I do agree with Nick that it is silly. It has been memed to death now. You okay. know, give me two, give me cha 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 cha, and <laughs> it is funny. But I, but I actually accept it because you know I can do with a little with a little bit of goof. You know, just like I, like maybe a little bit more to the next step of goof. Which is funny because this band is so serious in their message, but System of a Down. Yeah. You listen sure. to System, and it, it, it's silly as shit with some of the stuff that how he's singing it, how they are doing it, how they're it's playing. And, 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 and it is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But, but like their message is almost universally like, we're, we're, we're putting this on a palette to you in a way that you can digest it, but we're, we're, but we're hitting you hard with some stupid shit. They take their silliness very seriously. Yes. yes. And, well, and, well, until they do songs about pogo sticks. So, um. yeah. Uh, do you Classic. have any uh, misheard lyrics in this song, Brando? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for reminding me. The same buddy, good old Jason Long, <laughs> of wasting my hate fame. Uh, <laughs> he thought quenched my thirst with gasoline. <laughs> Was <laughs> it's hard to say it without laughing. French fry burst upon my spleen. It <laughs> also sounds more complicated. Yeah, how? How did it happen? I don't, I don't know. But when he told me that, simplify it. Because he told me that and we listened to it, I'm like, it's definitely not that. But now I'm never going to be able to hear this song and not think of him. 
saying, French fire burst upon my spleen. <laughs> That's like in the Black Album. I forgot to mention that a very commonly misheard lyric in Unforgiven is uh, New Blood joins this earth and quickly he's a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Not he's a dude. He's a dude. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, <laughs> kill me with that one. You can't do that. Oh, man. I like it. <sighs> All right, uh, so Dick, uh, what's your rank on this one, man? I'm gonna give it a nine. I love this song. Yeah, it's more normal, Nate. <laughs> I actually am gonna mimic Dick's sentiment. Surprisingly, I gave the song a nine. It's solid, man. It checks out, in my opinion. Not a nine point zero three five. No, it's just like this is quintessential Metallica. Even, um, as, even as a hater of like modern Metallica, people that are like, man, they're after the Black Album. They fucking sold down or whatever you want to say. Like this song still hooks you. If you're in the crowd, there aren't people being an asshole and not enjoying the song. They fucking are in it. They love it. So I think this is universally Metallica and I get it. Got to give it a higher rating up in there in the nine. So that's my, that's my final thought. I also gave it a nine. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Look at you guys. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Um, Yeah. Track two was the first single from the album. That's very surprising to me. But also, um, the video. We didn't talk about the video for Fuel, but it's pretty standard bear, fast cars doing stuff, you know. The video for Memory Remains is very memorable. It's one of their cooler ones where they actually have, like, them on this platform that's spinning around or up, like, around a room. Like, not, like, around this way, but, like, a, a seesaw, but or a pendulum going, but all the way around. And the way they did that is that they just, they moved the camera around and it, it's really cool. But the memory remains. Uh, this also features guest vocals from Marian faithful, uh, written by Lars and James, uh, definitely a bit of a different feel coming in from fuel. Um, I think it's a pretty cool, pretty cool track. Oddly enough, this song has become a staple for the live crowd. And because of the the guest vocals, has her creepily doing the na-na-nas. And then for the live... See, the thing is, the live version of the song has a different feel than the album version. The album version is a little bit more of a, a vibe. Live, they kind of like perk it up a little bit. And they have the... It's, it's like built-in crowd interaction with, with the na-na-nas. And they have Kirk play the like single guitar line while they're doing it. That way they can kind of... You know, mimic the guitar thing, go along with it. Um, but the reason why I, I the reason why I like that it's building crowd interaction is that it's, it's not super obvious crowd interaction. You know, like let the bodies hit the floor. Everyone's shouting one, two, three. We're counting. Four. <laughs> you know, I like counting. <laughs> I like, by the way, Brandon, I like how we, cause we were talking about this the other day at work and like, I, we ended up having a whole conversation about drowning pool. Yep. Never thought I'd have that conversation. But no, no, here we are. no, like, no. Yeah. That conversation is spurred on just from mm-hmm. my, my comparison because you know, the, I like, I, I like how the song has become a live song, but I never would have thought that this song would become the live interactive staple, like, or, or, or one of them because you have the na na na's here. And then you have creeping deaths die. Everybody in the crowd chanting die. Yeah, it's a very different vibe and feel, but you also get everybody involved. So uh, this time we'll start with Nate. Nate, what do you got? 
for your thoughts on Memory Remains. It's a headbanger. This is a commentary on the Hollywood lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Again, with the clever duality of how he's using his words, and it can also kind of feel like you could take the Memory Remains as a personal story, but really, if you think about what he's saying about it's very much like the Hollywood lifestyle sucking those kind of people in. I love that it's a very powerful and epic song, uh, like a return to Metallica's epic. Not the same as their old school epic, but it's leveled up a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> the guitars hook you. I love the fade to black reference. Like, again, them able to be self-referential in a way that isn't snobbish or pretentious. They're clever about it. I love one of my all-time favorite things in this song is James going, ah, suck it. Like just yelling, <laughs> suck it to the crowd is just like, fuck. Yeah, man. Get it, buddy. Uh, the haunting ending is super unforgettable. And I love that uh, the final line say yes, at least say hello. Ugh. that is a nod to the to the movie, The Misfits, which was the last completed movie, uh, which Marilyn Monroe started. And also mm-hmm. the reason The Misfits is a band is named The Misfits. Mm-hmm. Nice little bit of a meta thing going on there. Super beautiful tip of the cap to that era. Um, also, a, a, a quick tidbit. When asked if he would have bought Reload, bassist Jason Newstead said, not if I heard the memory remains first. <laughs> not sure what that means. Maybe he maybe he, maybe he, he maybe he thought the, the, the song was a bit of a uh, uh, departure. <clears throat> but... Yeah, no, this was, uh, again, uh, their singles for for the load and reloads, they all have kind of a new, like a different vibe artwork to them that you put them together. And it kind of makes something. But uh, let's go with Nick next. What do you think of Memory Remains? I liked it. Uh, I, my first note was about the l- weird little voice. <laughs> uh, I love the... That was so good. Um, it was another teaser solo, I thought. Um, but overall, there's a lot of catchy stuff in there. One thumbs up. One, one, one thumbs up. Uh, Mary and Faithful. That's not how we rate things here. <laughs> James. I want to add new mechanics. <laughs> there we go. We're always adding in new stuff uh, here on Rank Em All. Uh, James, James wanted Mary and Faithful's vocals. He, uh, he felt her weathered, smelling the cigarettes on the CD voice. Fit what yes. he described as the whole eeriness of the Sunset Boulevard feel of the song. Wow. Uh, also, I want to quickly note, 290 is the number of live uh, appearances of Memory Remains. Yeah, and uh, surprisingly, uh, you know, again, kind of going back to what I thought of of, of, of surprising. Okay, number one, th- this is one of the songs that's featured on both S&M sets. And when they do the second one on S&M 2... The crowd keeps the na 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 chance going well after they've stopped playing. Solid minute, and they won't stop. Like they just keep going and they keep going and they keep going and they. Well, well, James starts the track by saying, "Let's show the symphony how loud you guys can get." And I'm like, you know, I remember when Nate, when Nate and I were at the concert at the at the theater. We're like, well, "What song are they going to play?" The like, and instead I'm like, "Oh, really? This one? They're going to get the crowd going on this one?" But I'll be damned if they didn't do it. Uh, Dick, what do you think about Memory Remains? Pretty killer song. Uh, back to the na 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 parts. Uh, Marianne Faithful sounds like it, it's the the quintessential gypsy sound in my head. You know, it's 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 just it's hypnotizing. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's hypnotizing. Uh, I, I like how the song starts, you know, it, 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 it feels like it's going to be a fucking kick in the teeth and then it slows down. It slows into that groove and that's cool. That's cool. Um, overall, I mean, I, it's not my favorite of the Metallica hits, but it's, it's a good song. Interesting that they led with this as, as the single instead of fuel. There's yeah. probably a lot of arguing about that too. It'd be my assumption. That's probably why Jason said what he said. Yeah, and, well, yeah, because because it was the first single, and and and, and maybe maybe he agreed with James because I can see James saying, "No, no, you got to do fuel first. But it was probably this was the voting. It was James and Jason that wanted fuel to be first. You had Lars and Kirk that wanted it to be memory, and Bob sided with Lars and Kirk. It's not usually it. Bob though. Well, for for the single, it, it's always the. Uh, uh, Cliff Bernstein, or with oh the, yeah, the, that's right. If there's a tiebreaker, it's always the it's always their management that kind of steps in. Maybe Bob had a had a voice in like for like you know because like just like what he said for Black Album, he thought that Holier Than Now would have been the first uh, their first single based off the music when that was done. And they're like, man, that's really heavy and just fast and gets the gets the energy pumping. Nate, would you give this one for a ranking? Nine point seven five. It is genuinely one of my favorite Talica tracks. Just it it is memorable. Ah. <laughs> See what you did there. I don't know if the pun was intended, but guess I maybe. <laughs> Nick, what do you got for rank, man? I give this one a six point five as well. Six point fives, Dick. That's solid. I'm gonna go with an eight. An eight. I also gave it an eight. No, I really dig the track, and um, uh, it's. I think I do like the live version better because I do like that audience interaction. But but the vibe of this song when you when you listen to it, coming off of fuel, you're ready to go. You're ready to like you know just speed down the road. And, you know, and and then you get memory and it kind of like gets you to like lay off the pedal just just a little bit, you know. Right, but 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 just enough because then they're going to hit you with a song that wasn't a single, but it starts off with the bass, very thumping bass, Devil's yeah. Dance. With James and Lars on writing credits, Devil's Dance. Uh, the first time I heard this was on S and M because that's what I got before I had Reload, and <clears throat> I actually really liked it on there. It, but it like the the this album version sounds a little bit darker and deeper. Of course, that's what it's trying to do. That's kind of the 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 demon, you know, kind of thing like, that should not be vibe. A little bit, yes. Uh, now the album uh, Load. And reload were mostly recorded using uh, uh, E flat tuning, like like what they normally play live with. They just went ahead and like recorded that way. Um, and Devil's Dance was actually recorded in D tuning, so just like the thing that should not be. So it's like it's it's the third track. It's Devil's Dance, thing that should not be. A little bit of a darker tone, but this isn't Lovecraftian. So. Uh, well, let, let, let's start with Dick this time. Dick, what do you think about Devil's Dance? It's the it's the sad but true of this album. Uh, it's definitely heavy. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I like I like the um, the verses how James goes into that higher register with his voice uh, and this and those shouts that he does. Um, and then there's the load and reload are James's and you'll hear me say this again throughout the album. This album especially, it's, they're James's like uh, uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> vocals he, he goes he goes really ham with the uh just 
weird shit he does with his voice and or just the extra little let's dance let's dance <laughs> come on dance <laughs> <laughs> little things like that like uh what was it in the last album um where's your crown <laughs> where's your crown <laughs> yeah that little thing but <laughs> yeah it, it's it's just I, I like i like devil's dance right on um Nate, what do you uh, what do you got for me for uh for Devil's Dance on your? On you your nailed dance? it. Bass trudging through, just trudge hills. It trudges through. You got it. Jason has his voice in this song, even if he didn't necessarily write it. Which I don't know where the credits for this are. We'll talk about it. I'm sure. I already did. Uh oh, yeah. I must have missed <laughs> James Lars. Okay, that's why because it was only those two. The evil transition sets the tone musically. Like there's that that whole shift in the in the music. The lyrics obviously follow suit. The chorus is again groovy. That's the thing where in these albums everything's a lot more groovy. Dick nailed it, saying "sad but true" because I have right here "sad but true" heaviness. It definitely feels like that. Uh, it's a jamming little number, and I like that the the yaz in the background. Like, uh, <laughs> let me explain. I was laughing my ass off because again, Zoom listening device. There, there it is in the episode. Hey, track three. It took three tracks for me to bring it up. Uh, somebody's finally starting to drink this episode. They're like, oh, God, I was waiting to take the first sip. I didn't think you'd ever get to it. Uh, <clears throat> you guys know those things when you were kids, that was like the tube, and you turn it to be like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, the yes in the background. If you listen on your listening device with your headphones, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it sounds like what? one of those tubes. And I started laughing, dying laughing, listening to this song because of exactly that. So that's what I have for Devil's Dance, a song that has been performed 44 times live. That's, that's kind of low for what I thought, but. Especially since it was on S and M, uh, one, but I guess also it was relatively close, um, and and they were looking for songs that would really go well with the orchestra as well. And then to to, to also chime in, there's one song on the album that is played more than this song live, which will shock you, and there's another song that's been played substantially less that will also shock you when you think about the songs to come. Forty four is the magic number. Anyways, I digress. All right, Nick, what do you think about Devil's Dance? Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add. I like the way it, just, it plows along. Um, it's got a decent solo. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add on that one. All right. Well, we'll start, we'll go back to Dick with his rank. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with a seven and a half. All right. Nate? 7.25. 7.25. And Nick? 5.5. 5.5. I'm on the high end. I gave this song an 8 as well. Um, I I think it's... Uh, out of the songs that aren't hits on this album, I see that I might have given maybe some, like a few more, a few others in the same area, but I, I vibe it. I, I really do. The next song, though, was a single. It is a sequel of sorts to a single we've already had. This was the second single released in February 23rd of 98. The Unforgiven 2 with... James, Lars, and Kirk coming in here. Um, where should we start now? Uh, Nick. Nick. We'll go to Nick. Uh, do you got any opening thoughts for me on, on Unforgiven 2? Yeah, uh, I liked it. 
Uh, I like how it sounded familiar and different. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the guitars right after the chorus. Um, I, I love the, I love it. And then the uh, uh, I didn't like the solo again. I, I, I feel like I feel like Kirk was asleep at the wheel this time around. Um, or maybe I just want more guitar solo. I don't know what it is. Nate, um, Nate, are you cracking up because we have a song coming up that has yes, a line exactly. in it? Okay. Exactly. I, I thought the exact same thing, but we'll let Nick continue. Sorry, Nick. I don't have much more to add. I like okay. the uh, uh, the mystical sounding guitars in the verses too. So that's all I got. The lyrics to Attitude have the line asleep at the wheel. So Nick saying that Kirk is asleep <laughs> at the wheel just <laughs> fucking got me. I was like, ooh, that's so good. I don't know if he meant to. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, Nate, what do you got for me, bud? <clears throat> An actual sequel. My God, the horn. We start off in familiar territory. That horn bring it pulls you in as a listener. It crescendos you into the song. So you're getting pulled like a string into what they're going to do. And then instead of it being soft and peaceful acoustic guitar, they smash you over the fucking head with this super heavy shit. Um, lyrically, it's beautiful and also very tragic. I mean, if you really dive into the, what I th- what I think this song is about is James having affairs with different ladies on the road that he was leaving behind because he's going from city to city. They don't matter to him. And maybe they do. And they really hold this weird, like pain in his heart that he's doing this or going down this path, but they will always remember him in this moment. And there's a lot of like in the lyrics, if you really dive into like what is being said, there's a lot of darkness there. Um, Metallica showing again how they can move you emotionally. This song is powerful and has a lot going on, but it is also very emotionally moving and can just choke you up. Uh, The dichotomy of the heavy to clean in the song slays, which is the opposite, the clean to heavy in the other song in the first Unforgiven. And then the guitar layer calls back to the first one at the end of the song, which is super impactful. Uh, Here is the shocker. It was the second single on this album. It has also been performed six whole times live. That doesn't a surprise me. Not hardly at all played single from Metallica. I mean, I was struggling to find it on YouTube. <laughs> I mean, considering that it is an actual single and that they didn't play it live when it, when, when they were touring afterwards, that is a little shocking. But also, I can see why um, when they're making out the set and they're like. Um, thinking Unforgiven 1 or Unforgiven 2 1 is probably going to win out every single time like when you're going to play live and people are going to come see you and they hear the the in, the acoustic guitar intro that James did like yep well people know exactly what that is you know however if I saw them live and they just pumped into the opening riff to this I would probably lose my fucking shit same just because Mark out. Just, just because you're getting such a such a rare treat to say, Hey, I got to see them play that live. That was cool. Or the seventh time for the seventh time. I was there for number seven. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Dick, I believe you're next. Um, this is my favorite song on the album. This is, uh, this is my favorite, probably one of my f- favorite, if not my favorite song of Metallica's to sing. Um, I, I, I think, I think a little differently on the lyrics, Nate. Uh, I think, 
given I haven't dove into them like you just did. But uh, I think it's more um, he wants to let people in, but he has a hard time letting people in, but he wants to, but it's just back and forth. Um, Yeah, I love the guitars and the chorus, how how they're just blended perfectly with James's vocals. Uh, This song is epic. It's a perfect sequel. Um, You guys have pretty much all said it. (laughs) Anything I needed to say or wanted to say. So I love the song. I personally feel about the lyrics are they're kind of like a mixture of what both Dick and, and, and Nate said, because I don't know when he met his wife, Francesca, but I, I, I heard it was around this time because she actually worked for the catering company that would cater them while they were on tour. That That's how they met for, for him having a hard time letting people in to that level you know, considering I, I want to say he had been married once before, like by, by the end of the Black Album's recording and touring session, three of the four of them were divorced. Like, yeah, like that was not, not Jason. No, no. <laughs> he, he said, fuck all that. He said, no, no, it, it was everybody else. But the fact that here's James and it's no it's no secret that James had a hard childhood. He, he's written about that. He's had a hard time letting people into his vulnerable state, which is, which is very interesting because then you get to see him at his most vulnerable in the some kind of monster documentary. You see him at the beginning of the of the, like of the documentary, and it's very much the James Hetfield that we thought that we knew because of the way that he's always kind of portrayed himself, right? And then when he gets in and, and he's been out for like half the movie and he comes back in after rehab and dealing with his family, you see a much stripped-down, honest person who's very vulnerable and is very protective of that vulnerability. And I feel like when I look at the Unforgiven songs, you know, uh, and, and we're definitely going to talk, talk about the third one when we get there, they are in part a story, a, a part of the story of his life. You have the, the, the first Unforgiven about how, how his parents forced him to move and live and grow a certain way and him fighting against that. And how he can he can't forgive them for that, you know. And then the second part was him trying to open himself up, but maybe constantly being burned by other partners and not being able to do that. Maybe you know, maybe himself is a part of that problem as well. But I can't forgive you. And the third part <clears throat> is realizing that he is the biggest part of the problem, and he can't forgive himself for it. And it's deep as shit, and I love it. It, it. it is, all three songs tell this great story of his life. And, of course, we haven't got the more recent part. And I, and I don't know if we will, because that, that's got to come naturally from him. You know, maybe, we, maybe we've gotten echoes of that in other works that he's done. Would but that song be called Unforgiven? Ah, uh, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> but, but, but no, the thematic callbacks, the horn... Where that's ins- yeah. that's instantly recognizable as the horn that they stole from an Eastwood movie, um, that they reversed. That way, you'll never know what it is. And then the very end of the very very end of the song, where you hear uh, the background vocals like like "Never Free, Never Me." So I dubbed the Unforgiven. That there's a little little tiny vocal stuff in the very background, harkening back to the original. Just just kind of like how they in a way did with King Nothing. Um, 
off the never never land type deal but this one's more direct um so now we're on to ranks i'll i'll start with the ranks this time uh i gave this song an eight as well because i i do I, I love this song this song it just kicks i don't love it as much as the original unforgiven but i do really like it i do like the country twangs that they brought in from mama said in, into this um uh, you could they kind of like they're not the same but you can kind of tell if, if they're both on the same album Maybe it would have been weird, but because they're split up, I, I think it works really well. Um, so we'll go to Nick for your rank. 6.5. 6.5. You are right. Consistent. Consistently here. <laughs> Nate. I'm going to tip the fuck out of these scales. Uh, <laughs> just like the first Unforgiven, to me, this song is a perfect song, and it is a 10. Wow. Uh, there's just there's just too many moments from finding this song and living my life since I had this album that I have gone back to this song as a moment that I connect with more than other songs. And I connect with uh, trying to open up and vulnerabilities and things like that, too. And this song, um, I don't know. It just it has always had a very special place ever since I first heard it as like a, a, a must have jam. So this is my lone 10 on the album. We will not be hearing that number again or a number anywhere fucking near that for the rest <laughs> of this album for me. Let me tell you, things are about to drastically change. And Nick <laughs> Nick is about to be like, oh, there you are. But I was waiting. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, this one's a 10 for me. That's my final thought. Dick. Uh, I will give it a 10 as well. And also, this is my last 10, only 10 for this album. Wait, I didn't give Fuel 10. No, okay. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't give it a 10 or not. I thought about it. Um, but no, it is, this is my only 10 on the album. This song is amazing. And I would also like to add to what I said earlier. Um, of all the songs in the song music universe um there are sequel songs and there aren't very many uh the only one i can think of at this time is voodoo 2 from godsmack <laughs> this is way better should have been called to do actually erna's lyrics are um he literally says voodoo 2 telling me it's all voodoo voodoo 2 like it's voodoo 2 no, where this is like, are you unforgiven too? Yeah, like I, it, it, this makes more sense with it, like if you're not gonna if you're gonna include the number two, at least make it make sense with the lyrics. Uh, but th- to be fair, that was on like one of Godsmack's worst albums, so I digress. We'll save that for rank them all, Godsmack. Godsmack. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it. I know you will. <laughs> All Fuck, right. I probably would too, honestly. God damn it. I yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Fucking god smack. All right. So the next song is <laughs> Won them a Grammy. What? What? The next song no, is Are you wait, did you smoke some weed this morning? That is not right. That's <laughs> I wrong wish information. Did. That's wrong <laughs> information. <laughs> Maybe, oh, damn it. maybe the stuff is so good. What I said about the whole smoking weed at JFK's grave and him coming up is like, you want to know something that'll blow your mind? Because it sure <laughs> blew mine. Better Than You won Metallica at Grammy. Better Than You was the fourth single released July 16th, 98. 
and won the Grammy Awards Best Metal Performance. I just broke Nick. <laughs> and I'm very... <laughs> uh, <laughs> how many people were involved in that decision? Make a list. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so we're going to go back. So this one in 1999. And we're going to... Oh, my gosh. So we're going to go through... Just for just for fun's sakes, because Metallica has won uh, best metal performance. Uh, this would have been their fourth time winning. Their first one was for one in nineteen ninety because they lost the year before to Jethro Tull. And they won for Stone Cold Crazy, a cover that we'll cover on the uh, on the Garage Inc. album. Uh, and then they won, so they won three years in a row. And then the last one was actually for. Uh, um, they instead of doing songs, they did albums, or no, no, they actually did. Uh, it, like it must have been a mixture because they said Metallica. The work that won was Metallica. They were also up against Hangar 18 from Motorhead. Ooh. But interestingly <laughs> enough, Metallica Better Than You was up against Judas Priest Bullet Train, Nashville Pussy for the song Fried Chicken and Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to hear that now. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wow. Rage Against the Machine, No Shelter. Ooh, ooh. And then Rammstein's Du Host. Rammstein should have won and got robbed. Fucking robbed. What? Yeah, metal, yeah. Hands down, like, as badly as Metallica was robbed, Metallica has become Jethro Tull in this situation. <laughs> It's not the last time that's going to happen. <laughs> and we'll talk about that on future albums. <laughs> oh, Coming man. soon on Rank Em All, Metallica <laughs> So Better Than You was a single for... I don't know why. I don't know why this was a single instead of Devil's Dance. Yeah. In fact, there are other songs past this. In my opinion... That are better than better than you. Better than you is one of my least favorite Metallica songs, just in general, but it's definitely my least favorite on this record. This was written by James and Lars are phoning this one in, guys. And uh, <laughs> it's fucking stock. <laughs> phoning it in. That is how I would describe a couple, a, a handful of the songs on this album. It's just. Totally phoned in, Mike. Let's just add some more. Why? <laughs> uh, Nate, do you have any notes for better than you? Barely. <laughs> Drums, barely than you. <laughs> barely barely than you should be the episode title because uh, uh, drums kick it off, I guess. LOL. I, I laughed about that. Uh, un unforgettable, I guess. <laughs> the drums kick it off. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> That's what I wrote. <laughs> Like Just I thought it was, I thought it was funny. Something. Nice <laughs> harmonies in the pre-chorus. Okay, sure. Um, but then the only other thing in my notes is the song still has a minute and six seconds left. How? <laughs> <laughs> it has never been performed live. Good. <laughs> Another singer Good. bites the dust. Uh, Nick, you got anything for me? Um, he teased a solo again. Yeah. Um, and I thought that there were some cool riffs. So I kind of feel like they teased a song. 
here and they just didn't they just never finished <laughs> <No, hold on. laughs> what if this was a song <laughs> because like nate i actually could get behind like the pre-chorus like that almost kind of gets you ready for it like and then it just like oh that's the chorus oh, all right but did you mediocre I, I don't got a lot to say about this one. Uh, I, I remember, I like it. I do like it. Um, it's 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 something I can throw on. Uh, really? Just just to listen. <laughs> it's just there. It, it's it, it, I like it. And it's there. As I would a, rather throw myself into a burning dumpster fire than jam <laughs> this song. Throw all your bullets I, in it, a fire. Throw on and stand there. Something I can just throw on in the background. No, I I think I told Brandon this a couple times where. At first, the very first time I said, it, I was like, it sounds like a Motley Crue song. And then as time progressed, I almost, I was like, dude, this is epic from Faith No More. And it just, just that boom, 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 boom. Like, yeah. No, I hear, I hear fucking kickstart my heart now that yeah. you said that. It has kickstart my heart give, vibes. Give it some time and you'll hear epic. I promise you. <laughs> but that's all I got to say. I don't want to hear epic. I like epic. I, I don't want to hear it. I'm trying too. to get that out of my head right now. I'm trying yeah. to. But you, if you, you could throw, you could throw the instrumental of Epic over this song, and then throw James's. Voice Nick is like, forward. stop talking! God <laughs> damn it! I want to forget, not remember. Wanna... Please stop. <laughs> <I'm done. laughs> Nate, rank four point two five, lowest on the album. Uh, Nick. Uh, I gave her five. Tick. Six and a half. I also gave it a five. Uh, that is my lowest on the album, but it, there's only a few other bright spots left. Um, I'm going lower. <laughs> well, I got to make a, I got to make an um, addendum. I misread four point seven five, not two five. Mm-hmm. So I'm closer to that five that you guys had. And here I'll show the camera just for authenticity. Oh, there you go. Not changed. I just can't fucking read. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going into the next song here. Uh, when I was a kid. We I- looking for snakes, though. <laughs> this song uh, is Slither, written by James uh, Lars and Kirk. When I was a kid, I loved this song. But now I don't know why. I, I really... <laughs> Um, I think I heard it when, uh, when I first got into Metallica. It wasn't too long after that that I discovered a radio station uh, that was Central Illinois-ish. And every Friday evening around 7, they would have something called Mandatory Metallica. And it would be like 15 minutes to a half hour of nothing but Metallica. And it was actually, they would do requests. And that's actually the first time I ever heard Merciful Fate was on there, which we'll talk about that here soon. Uh, but that, that's the first time I ever heard Slither, and I loved it. I'm like, that's a badass song. So when I got Reload, I definitely jammed it. Now, though, I don't like it nearly as much. It's okay. It's there. I actually do like the chorus. Uh, but this is the other song that I teased in the last episode that is kind of like Sandman. Yeah. Yeah. Discount Sandman. It's discount Sandman. It definitely is. Um 
Great if, value. <laughs> <laughs> Great value, said, man. Five dollar bin, Sandman. Um, so there's a there's a YouTube channel, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I'm so sorry, dude. But you do great stuff. Uh, I th- maybe something Mercury, State of Mercury, where he actually does. He puts different Metallica songs on different albums with different tone. Even messes with the uh, arrangement a little bit to make it fit within that style that they were doing. Like they, like he did My Friend of Misery on Justice and made it the instrumental. You know, and he he put like. Uh, frantic or Saint Anger onto like Justice. He did, you know, he puts like Master of Puppets on Black Album. You know, move stuff all around. Well, well, he put what if Sandman was on Load, and literally the riff is Slither. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we'll go with Dick next. What do you think about Slither? Oh, this song went back and forth for me, as you know. Uh, I actually get a chance to talk to you about these songs yeah. as I'm listening to them and kind of practice for this episode. Uh, the song was, it went back and forth for me. Between, uh, I was like, this is my least favorite. Oh, I, I'm, it's growing on me up. Oh, it's it, it. Okay. I like it a little bit. Um, I like how bluesy it is. Super bluesy. Uh, again, James is going into that higher register. Uh, that's really all I got to say about this one. Nate? <clears throat> For Slither, I have the slow chorus intro is different because it yeah. uses the chorus as the intro to the song, which is a cool different kind of thing that they do. I like it. The harmonies are rad. I'm about the harmonies of this song lyrically. Uh, this is the prequel to I Disappear as well. There's some I Disappear vibes going on. Just go back with that headset, that mind space, and when you're listening, you're going to be like, fuck, that's like kind of I Disappear too. Yeah. Uh, fucking great value i disappear <laughs> there was a clever other line to say there i can't figure it out anyways uh, <laughs> the bluesy solo works really well for this song like sometimes the solos and that kirk produces in this album are very lackluster they don't bring the thunder as much as we would hope this is an instance where he steps back a little bit and actually serves the song makes the song better this is an option an opportunity for him to shine while stepping back which i think is good uh ain't no heroes here is one of my favorite lines in the song uh and then i just ended with simple but good it has never been performed live what you got nick um the lyrics are fucking weird uh, <laughs> that's all that's, I, I tried maybe i could have tried harder but i just kept reading them i'm like okay um nothing special and I wrote harmonized guitars and cool solos can't save a song, but they certainly help. Um, so not much love for Slither on this end, but give it credit where it, where it deserves it. All right, Dick, what'd you give this one? Uh, I'm going to go with a seven, seven, Nate, seven, Nick, five, five. I gave it a six. Had it had I been, you know, in my in the middle of my teenage years, right when I was first hearing this, it probably would have got a damn nine from me. I'm like, this is this is one of the best songs I've ever heard. <laughs> I I just but I don't really get that. However, I do feel the next track, Carpe Diem Baby. It's kind of weird to say that just like that, Carpe Diem Baby. <laughs> James Larson Kirk at it again here. 
Um, <laughs> them, them and their shenanigans. Wonder why it was Jason's last album. <laughs> but uh, I actually really like this song. This song is vibe. Um, uh, where where devils dance has the has the lower tune like like thing that should not be. There's going to be a song way later on that does tie into Devil's Dance. The first time I heard it, it reminded me a little bit of the tone of Carpe Diem Baby. Um uh, with the way that he with the way that he sings vocals on that track. But I I actually really do like this. Um the I I love the line live win dare fail. Um I believe that is a motto from the uh, British Air Service. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, live to win, dare to fail. Uh, well, damn it. Okay, that's so. So it just brings up. Um, it just brings up Metallica. Uh, who dares wins. Who dare he? Who dares wins. Is 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 that? And I remember that from Metal Gear Solid. I, I just when I heard that in Metal Gear Solid Two, it was like, "Hey, that's Carpe Diem Baby," almost. Um, but uh, no, the lyrically, it this song is kind of weird, but it's very metaphorical. You know, seize the day, kind kind of deal. And I absolutely like of the tracks that like that like that are to come. I I, I think this is really kind of a shining little mm-hmm. nugget. In, in maybe in some of the darker uh, bowels of this album, if you want to, if you want to call it that. But Bubba, uh, <laughs> <laughs> start with Nick. The you, undercarriage. <laughs> wait, what'd you think about this one, Nick? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, it's one of those that you can get like a little slow headbang going yep. on to. Um, it's eerie, and uh, he teased another solo. You, I don't know if we'd have a full solo if we put all the teasers <laughs> together. Uh, it gets better, in my, in my opinion. It gets better, but we're not there yet. So, what I do like, you said it was eerie, and then we uh, we you know, we talked about his little vocal stuff, like back on like let's dance. They do it again on here where it's like the music stops and he's like live win, dare fail, and they come in just and punch you right in the nuts, and he screams eat dirt. Bite the nail. I, I love that part. For for it to just go so quiet and then it come right back up. Um, w- w- yeah, no. And also, um, Nate, we're gonna go to you next because I got something to add to something that you're gonna say. Okay, okay, interesting. <laughs> so I wrote <clears throat> bluesy and vibing. You said it was vibing. I said it was vibing. We're on the same vibe here. Uh, live when dare fail. In my also wrote it down because it's just a super catchy line. The song is atmospheric and an absolute jam. The mid song breakdown is fun. It has Sabbath vibes is really kind of what I pick up. And there's one thing I want to say that is really interesting. There is a specific set of four lines in this song that are literally 2020. And let me break it down for you. So the I think it's like the second to the last set of lines in the final uh, verse or the second. Yeah, it is. So hug the curve, which we've been hugging the curve of COVID-19 and trying to weather that storm. Okay. 
uh, lose the time, which, of course, being in the quarantine and COVID, we've all said, like, what fucking day is it even? I don't know. Tear the map, which is happening right now with the division in our country and shoot the sign being each other's opinions on political opponent, the signs we put in our yard. So I thought it was just like kind of like a really interesting like, oh, wow, that's super. um, What's the relevant, relevant, relevant to now? (laughs) Yeah, that's all I have for this. And it has been performed. Four times. So one of the times that it was performed live was at the Metallica 30 year anniversary shows where they tease that they're going to play a song that hadn't been performed live. And I want to say that was the first one because somebody said one other song. Like it might have been Escape, and James went, No. <laughs> Shot him down straight up. I still think the biggest missed opportunity in the history of Metallica was not playing Trapped Under Ice in Antarctica. Yeah, I, I agree. You fucked up, guys. You I fucked agree. up big time. I mean, come on. But uh no. Uh, but no, but then they busted out Carpe Diem Baby. I have the first two shows of that downloaded somewhere on, on my hard drive, which is really neat. Cause I, I want to get the other, the other two as well, but I, I geeked out pretty hardcore when, because I just downloaded it and didn't know what songs were played and hit play. And was just, and just like, I was there and I was, I, I remember I was, I was, I was like laying in bed with the lights off, pretending like I was there or whatever. It was like my iPod, like a normal person, Ooh! <laughs> Does somebody have to finish their beer when you say iPod? Because they're like doing shots every time I say Zoom. Enjoy that shot. Chase it. You got chase it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I loved it. Um, we'll go with Dick now. What like what do you got for me? I dug the song. Uh, it's a it's one of two sleepers on this song on this album for me uh, that I really found. I didn't think I would enjoy, and then I really. I really dug it. Um, I just, as I said earlier with the, the full soundscape, I really like what ah, stupid headphones. Uh, I really like what they did with the sound of this entire song. Like um, the, the, then make you miss me part, like where you hear the dun, 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 like the chugging of the guitars. And then uh, everything that's going on during the chorus, the, so wash your way with, wash your face away with dirt and don't feel good until it hurts. I also love that line. Um, I love the chorus. Uh, that's all I've got for this one. All right. We're going to go back to Nick for the rank. 5.75. Nate? 7.75. Dick? 8.5. 8.5. I gave this song an 8. This song is awesome to me. Uh, really, really enjoy it. Uh, the next song, Bad Seed. Is its own name. It spoils the whole thing. Um, James, Lars, and Kirk. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just read my notes. Oh, fuck. All right. Oh, shit. I guess we'll start with you. (laughs) I I didn't mean to steal it, but I literally wrote, cough intro, dot, dot, dot. Bad timing, LOL. Wear a mask. (laughs) (laughs) and then i said the chorus is memorable double bass is rad put short uh used again at the end never been performed live that's my notes. super short they jammed it though 
Cunning really? stunts. Yeah, cunning stunts. Oh yeah, they do. They j- they they tease jam it. Yep. Uh, again, like they also do that with a couple other songs that are among some of these tracks, songs that were not done yet when they were on the load tour, like 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 Fuel for the Fire and, and Bad Seed and uh, I think Better Than You and some of them actually did get like a little jamage going on when they would play. So never, yeah, no, never never did play live. Um, uh, Dick, what do you think about this one? Uh, this is my least favorite song on the album. Um, <clears throat> there's not much to say about this. It's just, it, it, I say it's my, it's my least favorite, but at the same time, it's just another song I can just throw on in the background and I'm not going to be mad about it. That's, that's it. That's all I got to say about this. <laughs> I just can't see myself after like a long day of work, <laughs> pulling out my iPod. And, like if it's, if I'm in, man, I'm listening to bad my phone play the music if this comes up on the shuffle, whatever. <laughs> All right. I text Nick. I'm like, hey, man, what are you up to? He's like, I'm jamming bad seed, brother. It's my, it's my vibe. I'm like. Guys, when I say jamming it, I do not mean like, I'm going to throw on bad seed. No, I mean, <laughs> Dude, I'm talking about yeah, rolling down the windows, grabbing the wheel. I'm just talking bad like seed. it comes up on the shuffle. <laughs> it just comes up on the shuffle. And it's like, whatever. Can you imagine him rolling up to a stop sign. Or a, or a traffic light and some dude sitting there and he, he rolls up and, and Dick's, Dick's got his window down and he just goes, mad. <laughs> like, mugging him. So my, so my kids got this book, this, this children's book called Bad Seed. It's about this sunflower seed who was living with his family and then it, 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 it's like a terrible story. It's, it's, very, it, it's like a horrible story where like he, they, he think it's harvested and then he gets put in a bag and almost eaten by a fat dude at a baseball game. And then he gets spit out the last second. And he lands and he ends up becoming a lone, desolate, bad seed. He didn't he doesn't talk to people. He he makes fun of people. He just does all this bad stuff. He lies. He's never on time. And then every other page is like, I'm a bad seed. A bad seed. And I, for a while, my kid was having me read the story. Because my kid is like he's very repetitive in nature. And so like, I, I'll read the same damn book for like weeks and it, and it gets old, but what every, yeah. but every once in a while I turn that page. It's like, I'm a bad seed. <laughs> and then I would go bad. <laughs> <laughs> just like he does. Oh, just bad. like a carpe diem with the live with, you know, uh, and then the devil's dance. Let's dance. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost describe this song. I gave this song a six. Uh, we'll go to Nate. What'd you give it? 6.25. 6.25. Nate. Uh, Nick. Four. Four. Dick. I wrote that I don't have a need to ever listen to that song again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what bad seed did to me, but it, it put me in a bad way, I guess. It was a bad seed. It, <laughs> it, it planted a bad seed that hopefully will not sprout. Dick? I'm going to go with five. Five. I gave it a six. Um, there, I like the riff. And that's about it. Just the main riff. Which is funny because way back when, when Nate and I were in a band, we had a riff that sounded oddly like this. On accident. It's pretty common riff i would say well and then megadeth has a version of it and then there's another band that has a version of it 
I, which I can't remember right now, but it, yeah, it was like once we found like, oh my god, you know, because at first like we, when you know like when you've been writing songs or tr- trying to learn how to write songs as, as, as a band, you're first getting started, you're like, man, it's not like then you hear it, you know, you'll be jamming to an album like, wait a minute, I stole from this song, my god, <laughs> and it's no wonder we didn't get anywhere. We're we're ripping off Bad Seed. <laughs> it was a bad choice. Daenerys Palin, I'll be right back. Oh Nickel. shit! <laughs> All right. Um, since he's taking a Daenerys Palin, uh, we will carry on here. The next track is "Where the Wild Things Are." Jason Newstead's lone contribution to the album and third writing credit in total with Metallica. The last one. Huh. It was his. La- yeah, that was it. Uh, Where the wild things are. We'll start with Nick on this one. Do you have anything of note to say about it? Uh, I like the lyrics. I wrote, finally, some decent lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another spooky one. It is. Um, and I, I thought it was a neat solo. Um, best on the album yet, but um, that's not really saying a whole lot, is it? Fair enough. Definitely fair enough. I actually So far. This song is a grower. It- this song is a grower. I didn't like this song when I was younger. Like, uh, where 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 Slither had my love when I first heard this as a kid and like bumping my fist. The, <laughs> nowadays, I don't really like the opening beginning of part of the song. It, it has a weird opener and it has a weird tone, which might be the part that Jason really wrote. The dun da dun da da dun dun da dun dun da da dun dun dun. I. It takes me a while to get into it, but I actually have grown to like this song a lot more than I used to. And and, and a lot of it is it's because of what you said. It was lyrics, it's theme. Um it is a bit spooky. It's vibey, just like I said earlier with like with Carpe Diem and I agree with you on that. Whereas like when I heard that a song that we'll talk about way later and I'm like, "Man, this gives me reload vibes." This is kind of what I'm talking about. It's like it's something that they kind of went back to, back to and Must be on where the wild things are. Well, that's the next track. Oh, we're we're still talking about Bad Seed. No, that yes, we're talking about where the wild things are because that's oh. the we're, we already ranked Bad Seed and we're moving on. Good, good. I just I had to piss like a Russian sailor. So okay, well, I mean, fair enough. I mean, I didn't really think whipping my dick out and pissing on the podcast was enough. Options, especially because we're in video form. I'm surprised you didn't say that. That you had to piss like like James, uh, James on a Russian bear hunt. Ooh, so much vodka. So much vodka. We could have just pulled a Borat and had like an extra long sensor bar. Uh, Dick, we'll go to you next. Black Square. Uh, this was my other sleeper song. Uh, I didn't originally like this song simply because when I'm listening to Metallica, I want some jams. You know, I want some fucking kick ass. I want some whoop ass. Up, Nick. No, uh, but as as you said, it's a grower, and the more I listen to it, the more I I started noticing things that I really really liked, um, and I think. I think since Jason Newstead, this being his only contribution to the album credited, uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. And I like, I love that little drum line that comes in and then uh, followed by the guitars. And then it just, it really drives that mood home. Uh, I love that with that 
whatever that drum line is. I can't think of it right now, but fuck, it's good. And it, it just makes you, th- it sits there and makes you think like, and actually listen to it. Whereas I typically don't listen to the drums unless it's like standing out in the open like I that. I thought you were going to say, typically I don't listen to music and I was going to just <laughs> die ass laughing. <laughs> listen. I don't typically you, listen to the What are you here for? Um, this music I, is weird. <laughs> I really like the line, will this earth be good to you, keep your clean, keep you clean or staying through. I like that a lot. I really like near the end of the song where they come back in with that uh, uh, pre-chorus and they almost, and, and they play like a longer version of it and it's kind of different, like, I don't know if, if they go to a different octave or they just kind of give it a different feel. It's weird because it doesn't feel like it did on the, like on the first time around that you, like, that, like, that you heard it it's but they but they do that sometimes with it like it's almost like where um they do that in um a future trip and now and now that we're dead when on the last chorus he sings it at a higher register but it's still the same chorus but you like but he's just kind of like putting more of himself into it maybe almost kind of like um kind of like fuel you know he like direct direct album comparison on the last chorus for fuel He's kind of putting more into it. They do that with uh, where the where the wild things are in the pre-chorus too, and I really like that. But Nate, yo, uh, I have for this haunting. I don't really remember this song. Like initially, when I was re-listening through on the Zoom, I was like, "Man, what is this even?" And then I was like, "Oh, I, I do remember this song." Uh, it has angular and militant vibes. We haven't used the word angular on this album. So to have that is like, oh, hey, there's some old Metallica shining through, even though it's not how we typically plan for. This song is jamming. Uh, it definitely has thing that should not be vibes in its own right and respect. Uh, and I love the toy soldiers off to war line. It's like seriously so catchy and punchy. This song has also never been performed live. Oh. That's a shame. It is a shame. Really cool. Um, when they did that vote thing uh, a few years ago, where like on, like on tour, each city had a, a certain number of tracks they could like, hey, vote to fill these out, and they had tracks that you could pick from. Um, on that, they had a, they they had some tracks that were like that they picked a lot of tracks they normally play live anyway. I would love it if they had a bunch of tracks that don't get a lot of play. And then that or we, have never been played or have never been played that, you know, just to reach back into the catalog because to, you know, I, I, and I, and I think we mentioned it on the last episode where it's so weird to think of a band who puts out an album and you didn't play a song off of it. But when you have seven albums and then you have 13, 14 tracks on these two alone, and you know, when you're going out on the reload tour, that you mean you've got to play puppets, you got to play seek and destroy, you got to play one, you got to play. Uh, we're gonna do harvester sorrow. Um, how about battery? Sandman. We're gonna play. Sa- well, I haven't even got the black album yet. Sandman, sad but true. Nothing else matters. Okay, and then we're gonna do what well, we got to do until it sleeps because that was a hit. And then it's like, okay, how about King Nothing? We'll throw that in there. And fuel, of course, we got fuel. We're gonna do fuel. We're gonna do memory. That was a single. Man, it just starts stacking up and. I can understand why a song like Where the Wild Things Are would just get completely and utterly forgotten about as far as like a live, like they wouldn't even think about putting that song out there live. But again, like I said with Unforgiven 2, I would just trip out over it if they did it. Yeah, Yeah. it would have been really cool on the 30th anniversary. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. But uh, let's get to ranking. Nick, what you got? 
5.75. And Dick? Nine. Nine. I like it. As you said, <laughs> it, it like it definitely grew. I like it. I I gave it a seven. As I said, this song has grown on me. It, it, it probably would have been, it, when I was a kid, I probably would have got lower than a five. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I can dig it and I can jam to it in eight. Also a seven, my seven. friend. All right. Now we're going on to another song here. Uh, I, I do believe we have no more singles. <laughs> we are out. We are we're definitely out of the singles and no Grammys awarded for any of these songs. Just so, Thank we, God. Just so we get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> track 10, Prince Charming. Lars and, and James add it here and... Uh, so this is one of the other songs back in my youth when I used to roll around with my buddy Jason. We used to jam to Metallica. He loved wasting my hate, and he loved Prince Charming. And <laughs> he I sounds like a weird guy. He he is. He, he he's very he, he's very uh, eclectic in his music style. He's very into like nineteen fifties, uh, you know, like that style of like almost like barbershop music. Um, he, he really, he loves Michael Jackson, you know, it, and then he loves like heavy metal and he's like, he literally all the place. Um, awesome. but I never really thought about the song until then, until he had it cranked out like all the way up in the car and we're driving 110 miles per hour down a back road, you know, almost killing us because on, on the back road to our hometown, we have this viaduct where this train goes over and it's not a straight through pass. It's like, a little bit of a, like a little dip thing. And we're in his Astro van and he has this Astro van going at a hundred mile per hour. <laughs> I so I, I associate that with this song. I don't know why we, we, it, this might not have been the song that that was playing, but I'm just like holding on to the chair going, this is where I'm going to die. This is it. I am <laughs> it's a dead. tight little viaduct. I know exactly what it is tight. About. And it's like not straight through. You almost have to hit it, like slow down and like, kind of like, like take like, a like, slight like, angle, and then he had this damn van, and he went thud, and he like bottomed that thing out, and then went back on the road. I'm like, and the next thing I remember <laughs> is just like, "Hey, ma, look, it's me!" <laughs> I'm like, and he, he and, and, and then him laughing, going, "Yeah, buddy, um, yeah." So I actually have a fondness for this song, despite the horrific memory I, I have associated with it and my life flashing before my eyes. I actually do kind of like this song, but we'll start with Nate this time. The chorus is catchy. The verses are clever. <laughs> the chorus. The chorus is the catchy. I'm going to say a question, though, for this song. Why the fuck is it six minutes? It's I don't a lot know. of the same things repeated over and over and over and over and over and over. And there's the one point that like really drives me crazy is the breakdown uh, where it's like that's me like all slow and shit hey it just... look up to me look yeah. at me yeah yeah, huh? yeah i'm just like, i'm just like okay this is like two songs that fucked that didn't need to fuck and make its own creation <laughs> you know it's two half ideas that tried to make a hole that did not it's like a franken song you know what i'm saying and just now doesn't... we have to deal with this bullshit child that they put on thank you they yeah exactly they you can't put it on government it. assistance <laughs> nobody wants prince charming they metallica didn't want this song but they gave it to us we didn't ask for it 
what the fuck we do with it? It's kind of good, but it's also kind of shit. Ah, never been played live. No surprise to me. These are their 30% songs, Dick. (laughs) That's why he loves them so much. I never said I love these songs. (laughs) Okay with them. Oh, fuck. That's good. (laughs) You're absolutely right, though. These are 30% for sure. Yeah. Who's hmm. up next? Uh Nick. Nick go to Uh you. I put uh cool lyrics, weird delivery. Um usually I'm down I'm down for him trying different ways, but something about this one is just like He's kinda talking. It's weird. Um what what'd you say, Bob Dylan? Is <laughs> cloud <laughs> over here. That's me. A uh, couple cool riffs, um, and a decent solo section. So Oh, you said decent solo section. That's the first decent. time you said decent this this album. I gave what did I gave someone else? Let's see where the wild things are. I I said where the wild things are. I had the best one of the album yet. I missed yeah. that because I was in the pisser. Sorry, Dick had to had to drain main main. <laughs> um. Is that, is that all you had, Nick, or do you have more? I do not have anything else to add. <laughs> all right, uh, Dick, what you got? Uh, this is. 100% pure Metallica cheese. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an all right song. It's, it's, it's just one of those filler songs. Like it's, it's a 30% song. Like Nick said, <laughs> so it gets a 10 from Dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a decent song, but it's also perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest 30% song ever. It's 10. <laughs> Oh, well, what's shit. funny is that you know I I started off with that story uh, to share that because I because of that and because of where of the whole background and and the whole era that that I was in when I really got into this album and and, and listened to it a lot I, mm-hmm. I gave this song an eight simply because of my memories with it and every time I hear it it, it brings me back it it makes me happy happy for one that I didn't die then and happy again too because because those were just some good times just cruising around jamming to Metallica. And and, and and discovering Pantera and all this other stuff that I would get into. So, um, Nate, what do you got? Six point seven five. Nick. Five point five. And Dick. Six point seven six. Six point seven six. Yeah. It sounded like, like he said Dick's point <laughs> seven six. <laughs> and I was like, what? A little bit higher than Nate. <laughs> Gotta just edge lord me out just a little bit, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um <Docker. laughs> The next track is Low Man's Lyric. This is the one with the hurdy gurdy. And very interestingly enough, track eleven is also the the ballad, the true ballad of of Load. And Reload kind of sh- kind of mimics that here. Uh, with Low Man's lyric, with it being also a ballad, you can almost tie the two together. Even though the first Mama said is kind of more of a just a country type ballad. This one's a little bit more of a. Oh God! It's got a folky Irish yeah. vibe, man. Folk Irish, but vibey as well. Um, I do like it, but it's also one that I don't seek out. I I do like Mama said a little bit better than this, and I'm not sure if it's because they had a song or makings of a song that they made into a good one. By by including the hurdy gurdy, if this song didn't have the hurdy gurdy, I don't I don't think it would be nearly as good, in my opinion. I I, I think it would be standard fare, uh, 
this you know whatever it is but stock stock yeah probably stock but uh but we'll start with dick this time what do you think about low man's lyric hurdy gurdy um yeah it's, it's an okay song uh this is one of the songs that was originally fighting for like my least favorite not because it's a bad song just because it's it doesn't really grab me but the more i listen to it, it it's got that really cool um uh it's like 60s vibe um that uh, just the the sound of the hurdy-gurdy reminds me of the 60s i guess or maybe set early 70s something like that like music i would hear back then i don't know if anybody's getting that or not but um i i don't really got anything else to say about it other than the cool story i was i was taking my stepdaughter to uh her cheer practice the other day and this song was playing whilst while we were riding in the car and it gets to the end where it's just nothing but the hurdy-gurdy playing hurdy-gurdy playing and she's just like why are you listening to music that doesn't have words (laughs) (laughs) i'm like did you not hear the words throughout the rest of the song that was playing i was like and I had to explain me of all people, Nick, you'll understand me of all people. I had to explain it. Sometimes music doesn't have words and that's okay. And it, instrumentals are cool. I was the same way. You know, whenever I listen to instrumental albums, he's like, where are the words? Yeah. I have to explain to, I have to explain to my oldest that the interlude of master of puppets is not a different song. Might as well be, but it's awesome. Oh, no, like, but it's like, he thinks it's over. And, and every time I have to remind him, I said, nobody, this is just the middle. I used to think the same thing. This so. ain't Holy War's punishment, too. It ain't two separate songs. <laughs> one. Um, all right. We'll go with Nick next. What do you think about Lumen's lyric? I really dug it. Uh, and I thought that it was one of the best vocal performances on the album. I could dig that for sure. I think he really put this... I, I really think he puts his heart in heart into that one, and mm-hmm. be, because lyrically it really does tell the story. It, it, like it tells a story of like this kind of down on his luck guy, you know, sleeping in alleys and in in a cardboard box, and it's like it's almost kind of like how he he could have reprieve from that if he would just accept change or accept whatever, but he he doesn't want that, and just like it's almost like he's a wanderer. You know, it's like he, no matter how much you're like, hey, you know, take this. And it's like, he may want that, but it, that's not, that, that, that's not his destiny. It, it just, that's just kind of vibe I get from it. It's just like, he's destined to kind of go on his path. Even if, even if all these opportunities kind of, kind of show up here, Nate, what do you got? Hidden gem of the album. Hurdy gurdy. Minimal. I love the verses and the lyrical story. Uh, I do ask the question, which we're going to be getting into. This is a little bit of a spoiler, but how does this song not make S&M 2 literally blows my fucking mind? It is made for a symphonic version. Like I could, I could listening in with the headphones and the listening device. I can hear where they could put strings and they could do a lot with it and to have the hurdy gurdy on state. Like it would have been an amazing visual and experience for them that I think is missed. Um, the breakdown is awesome and adds a lot of texture to the song when the drums come in with that, like again, tribalist vibe and the, you know, uh, the way James is delivering those lyrics, the humming outro over hurdy gurdy might be the most beautiful thing Metallica has ever done. And I mean like beauty, beauty, like, Oh my God, that like is a beautiful thing to experience. Uh, 
yeah, I really fucking like really, really love this song. Uh, and actually, to go back to that whole Devil's Dance was played 44 times. We had, uh, you know, Unforgiven 2 that was only played six times. Low Man's Lyric, 65 live performances. That's actually very surprising. I know it had been played live because back <clears throat> in the day, they used to have this uh, Metallica vault uh, where you could they had free shows for you to download all throughout their 80s it's like and all metallica.com or something. yeah yeah they, yeah they launched it around the saint anger era because that's when they actually started recording professionally all of their uh <laughs> concerts and um you could go buy them every single one of their shows you can go on there right now and buy all their live shows and if you actually have one of these a ticket you get your live show for free um which is badass because that means you can you know listen to it again and relive the night that you got to see them and everything. So I think that's really neat. But no, I I remember hearing them do Loman's lyric then or from like one of those shows, and um, no, it was great. And I and I can definitely echo your sentiments about S and M two or S and M in general. Like it was just one of the ones that could was, have been great for the first S and M as well. Yeah, um, yeah, and I I can kind of see why they didn't because it, I mean again, there's this after the first one maybe, but like like there's when you're playing in the first S and M and there's so many things you're trying to pull from different parts of the catalog, you know, they're like nothing from kill them all got put on there on S and M one. So like, they should have done S and M one as a two night special that they did over a course of four hours. So they could pull from all their catalog a lot deeper. Cause I think that would have remedied it instead of doing two nights of the same material to get the highest quality performance. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, we'll go back through, um, Dick, what'd you rank this one at? Low man's lyric. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a seven and a half. Nick. Six point two five. Six point two five. Nate. Let's go with eight. I also gave it an eight. It, this is a real enjoyable track. When it comes on, I'll listen to it. But as, as I said, it's nothing I ever really seek out. It's always something that you know what. A lot of times, I'm not in the mood for it. But when I am, I feel it. I definitely feel it. Um, the next song, I didn't say oh, he wrote. There's more. Yeah, so it's not over yet. James and Lars wrote "Low Man's Lyric." They also wrote this next one, or at least James did. And Lars said, "Yeah, put my name on there." Um, <laughs> attitude, attitude, born in an attitude, asleep, asleep at the wheel. At the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Throw all your bullets in a fire and stand there. Or the last time he says it, then run and then run like hell. This was another one that my buddy Jason liked, but I've never really got into it like the way that he did, because it's like, uh, it's funny because the, the song is a little dichotomic because why cure the fever and whatever happened to sweat? <laughs> Are those the lyrics? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at him. This is the antithesis of. Everybody needs the cure. He's like, <laughs> why cure the fever? We I don't talk about it. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with uh, Nick on this one. What do you think about Attitude? Uh, I liked it all right. Uh, I liked the intro. Had a cool chorus. Um, for some reason, it gave me early Metallica vibes. Um, but I wrote bullshit solo. So... <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's not that there was this lack of solo. Apparently, this solo pissed me off. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right on, man. Um, Dick, we'll go with you next. 
uh, it's just a fun song. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing to it really. It's just a, it, it feels like it's a James song. For me, of all of the songs that are kind of like there, like I like this one, uh, because like you you can go back to the load where there was like poor twisted me and Thorn within that are like. Man, I'm not sure. Like these are kind of like the same tempo. This has a bit, like a faster tempo to it. It's a song that you can put right after Low Man's lyric to kind of like pump the album up a little bit before you close. So that's kind of how I feel. Nate, what do you got? Jam. It's a filler song, though. Unfortunately, it's mm-hmm. very filler. It's very stock, as they would say. Uh, <clears throat> the chorus is heavy and groovy, which again, we're talking about the album in this era of Metallica being a very groovy band and not thrashy. I don't think the word thrash has been used a single time when discussing this specific album. Uh, the breakdown of the solo slaps and is fun. The second breakdown is a little bit extra. I think there's weird vocals, though. Uh, only ever been performed zero times. <laughs> you thought I was going to say once. Nunce. Only never. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll go back around. Nick, what'd you rank? Six point five. The solo wasn't bullshit enough to bring it down lower than that. All right, um, Dick. <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Seven. And Nate. I'm gonna echo Nick with a six point five. I gave it a six. I gave it a six. It's so high. it aggregately averages to 6.5. It exactly does. Exactly yes. like Nick and I suggest that it should be. <laughs> <laughs> True that, man. True that. Well, But we finally arrived to the last song on the album. <sighs> this is another long-ass album. Fixer with three X's um, with James, Lars, and Kirk. Eight it was minutes. Really extra. Extra. Um. So extra. Yeah, eight minutes and fifteen seconds uh, for this one. This is almost like this album supposed like outlaw torn ending or whatever. Uh, this, the I like the lyrical tone of this where they're talking like like voodoo dolls and, and, and sh- shove another pin in me. I I like that aspect of it, but overall, the song doesn't quite get it done for me. It's it's there. It's okay. But that's about it for me, uh, Dick. What do you think about this one? Uh, it's it's another song. It's a song that's just trying to be another epic closer, like Outlaw Torn, and it fails to live up. Mm-hmm. However, it is that does not mean it's a bad song. Uh, I like that you mentioned the the voodoo dolls and the pen pushing the push another pen through. Um, let's see. I like I like the chorus. Uh, the I think this is the chorus. But tell me, can you heal what a father's done or fix this? hole in a mother's son can you heal the broken words within can you strip away so we may start again that's that stands out to me i mean i think it's the chorus so it's supposed to stand out um it speaks to you uh, to what kind of what could have been like james upbringing yeah you know and uh, all i really have to mention because this is the song that for whatever reason as i'm listening to the album over and over and over again the song just i'm already zoned out by this point and for some reason i <laughs> never listen to this song it, it's like back in the day nick when um because you, you used to love the song blue in the gray by parkway drive and i was like i don't remember this song <laughs> and then it ends up being my favorite parkway drive song but um this song is just it's okay it's 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 not bad 
a lot of really processed vocals. Mm-hmm. Nick, we'll go to you next. All right. This was easily my favorite song on the album. Cool. Handily. Uh, sick riffs, great vocal performance. Um, I really liked... Um, James's Dave Mustaine like vocals after the interlude. You know what I'm talking about? That's what it sounded like to me. So I love that. I love that a lot. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I thought, and and I think it was one of the stronger last songs um, that they've had. So awesome. It was after sloughing through all that mud. It was nice <laughs> to get to something like that. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so what do you got, man? Uh, Nate, uh, for the notes. Guitar noise intro is strange. It is weird. The main riff of the song, however, is a fucking headbanging, break your fucking neck headbanger. It has epic vibes. I will say that deeper into the song, it is a long song. So as you get trudging deeper in, it loses a little bit of steam, uh, which then leads me, as soon as it started losing steam, I started like analyzing it differently. And I noticed that it's got like a jammy solo section that really feels improvised. Like they were just, flowing and there wasn't a plan or like any rules or this is how it needs to sound uh it jams to jam and it just literally is there to elongate the overall length of the album i do like the song quite a bit uh but it is not my favorite on the album all right so we've arrived to the final rankings start again with dick would you rank this one bud i'm gonna go ahead and give it an eight an eight nick it's 7.5. 7.5. That is your highest on the album, my friend. And That's Nate. not very good. Doesn't Seven. say much about breathing. <laughs> 7.25 for 7. my fix. 7.25. I gave it a 7. So we're all kind of around the same area here. So that means that my average rank was a 7.23. Nate's average rank was a 7.48. Dick's average rank was a 6.67. And Nick's average rank was a 5.86, which gives us a master rank of 7.06. Which is now the lowest ranked album so far. Load's average rank was 7.07. <laughs> Just 1% difference. That's Not wow. even 1%. <laughs> It's one hundredth of, of a one hundredth of a percent. Sorry. Yeah. It's very interesting uh, because you know we all kind of like spoke pretty highly overall of load uh, for like in almost in surprise saying that we while while the latter half of the album does kind of fall off after bleeding me, but overall the experiment kind of worked if they would have just kind of chopped it off or. Uh, not had so much uh, filler there, but the lowest ranking song on Reload for us. I'm looking at it right now. We have a tie. Mm. An exact tie. I'm about this. Let's let's hear it. The and and the score is a three a five point three one for better than you and bad seed. Wow, they exactly tied. Yes, that's, that's incredible. incredible. Uh, yeah. And Are the, those also now the lowest um, ranked? 
No. Pure has to be below that. Pure is the lowest one at 4.75. And the highest ranking song on the album was Unforgiven 2 at 8.62. That that was no surprise right there. But yeah, guys, that was Reload. Uh, but, you know, Dixon along this cool little uh, podcast from the uh, uh, from the Jericho podcast. The pod is Jericho. I am Jericho. What's like? What's it called again? Talk is Jericho. talk is Jericho. One of those. The 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 pot of thunder and rock and roll. And what they did at the very end of their little set was cu- kind of basically combine the albums to make a super load, or one of them called it an unload. And uh, so that's that's what we're gonna do here at the very end. We have all the tracks. We have we we have our we have our super loads ready. And since it was his idea to include it here and pay homage to the Jericho podcast, Dick, give me your super load. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded so bad. Oh, man. I'm going to give it to you. Good. Uh, so, like we said, <laughs> Fuel Starts is, is a, such an awesome album starter, but I actually like it better as a second song so i'm starting the album i'm starting super load with ain't my bitch because that it's it's such a cool such a cool intro going in and then leading into fuel that like we're just keeping the speed going you know uh then we slow it down for devil's dance right into memory the memory remains and unforgiven too Uh, i throw in better than you then that goes into bleeding me I think I originally had Bleeding Me following Unforgiven too, because I feel like that was like a like a a, a cool like they the lyrically go together. Um, following Bleeding Me is Until It Sleeps, then King Nothing, Carpe Diem Baby, Where the Wild Things Are, Attitude, Mama Said, and Outlaw Torn. All right, Nick, what'd you have? All right. Let's see here. I didn't write them out because I'm pretty much just going by my ranks. Um, I didn't get into super hard trying to include like include a ballad, include this, that, the other. So I would definitely have Ain't My Bitch, 2x4, House of Jack Built, Until It Sleeps, King Nothing, Hero of the Day, Bleeding Me, Fuel, Memory Remains, and then... Fixer, definitely fixer. Maybe attitude, maybe unforgiven too. All right, Nate. It was a little more, a uh, little more stringent the first time I did it. <clears throat> um, and then when you guys made the point, like, well, the albums already have like 12, 13, 14 songs. I was like, all right, well, I, I guess I could, I could sprinkle in a couple more in there. Right on. But yeah, I think, I think initially I only had like one or two songs off Reload. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened there. All right. Nate, all right. Let's uh let's talk about it for a second because I put them in like album order chronologically. How I would do the album for my loaded, I called it loaded instead of unload or super load or whatever, just loaded. Uh, I also took into consideration some of these songs are fucking super long, yeah. and you're only gonna have one shot to be right at one CD album length. So that considered, here is the list. I would open it up with Fuel. It is the hands-down best way to kick the door open to an, a Metallica album and would have blown people completely away. 
Uh, follow that with memory remains because they already have that simpatico relationship when you're listening to them on reload it they they already go together it's already been shown they go together keep them together after memory remains into the house that jack built just tonally shifts it slows it down a little bit gives it some creepy slow it down even more into until it sleeps for the fourth track king nothing is track five we bring the energy back up and then out of nowhere low man lyric it just boom unsettling it sets you deep into the album you're really vibing with it the next song being unforgiven Two. dick and i actually agree on this because right after unforgiven two i have bleeding me which is a great idea to put them back to back i think uh after that hero of the day mama said and close the album with outlaw torn and that would be my loaded so i named mine busta load and <laughs> and i i actually did the hardwired thing where it's two it's a double disc and the first oh. uh, the first disc is 39 minutes and 96 seconds it starts off with fuel then memory remains then house that jack built wow brando <laughs> three for three there and then unforgiven two because it's number four you gotta you gotta, you gotta you gotta keep that and then carpe diem baby and then hero of the day and then i close the first disc with bleeding me cool then i start the second disc off with ain't my bitch and then King Nothing, <laughs> Devil's Dance, then Until It Sleeps, then Prince Charming after Until It Sleeps to kind of wake you up a little bit because it's a little bit, it still rocks, but it's a little slower. And then And then Wasting My Hate because I put those two songs together and along with Attitude to, as homage to old Jason and put those there. Attitude's a little bit filler, but then, then we go right into Mama Said for the uh, ballad and then they close off the second disc with Outlaw Torn with that one being 49.28. But guys... Thank you guys so much for ranking reload. This has been reload by Metallica uh, for Nate, Nick and Dick. I've been your, uh, your rank master Brando and uh, we are no longer choking on this bad seed as we look forward to go into <laughs> the next, uh, next uh, episode here on rank of all Metallica, which will be garage Inc guys. Thank you so much for listening and check us out on all those podcasting platforms that we're on, like the podcast network. We're on the, the check out all the journey in the comics network stuff. We're on YouTube. Check us out on social medias and all that stuff down below in the descriptions until next time. We will see you then guys rock on later on all that jazz. Bye. Yeah. yeah.